In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, Mr. Mavs Draft, Richard Stamen, is going to drop off his latest big board. Now, I know he released it, what, maybe about a week ago, and I think you've updated it probably a couple times, two, three, four times, which is very, very common, but he settled on this list for today, and he is going to share his thoughts and his rankings on the top players in this 2023 NBA Draft. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies and a new role that I've accepted. I am the director of scouting for the NTX, which stands for North Texas Combine, which is a combine that will feature grad eligible seniors that are looking to showcase their skills to NBA in front of NBA scouts. And I know I'm going to depend heavily on Richard to give me some names because he knows the mid major guys. He knows the sleepers. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. You had talked about him all year, and then he blew up in the first round of the NCAA tournament against Virginia. Isaiah Wong. No, I'm kidding. No, Isaiah Wong. <laughs> <laughs> three years. I said this year. Three years for Isaiah Wong. Oh, Jalen Swanson. Yes, yes. I like him a lot. And so you were the first one that kind of put me on to him. So I'm definitely going to lean on you for some names for this. But today we're going to talk about your big board. And my first question to you is, how long did it take you to put this together? And how many times have you revised it? Before you put it out, and then after God. you put it out, I I overthink every single thing I do in life, so this is no exception. Um, I made a running list throughout the season. As I saw somebody, I added them to the board. There were guys that like the top ten guys. It's like I know these guys are NBA draft prospects. I'm gonna add them. Watch them back later. Put it at the bottom till I see them. Um, I put. I mean, my list. It sounds ridiculous. I promise it's not as ridiculous. I haven't gone deep dives into like every single player, but. I have 142 names at the moment. Not all of them are going to stick because not all these guys are going to stay in the draft. I pretty much rank anybody who I think could be in the summer league at any point. So I can say, hey, I've scouted this guy. If it, if somebody goes off, people are like, did you know about him? And I, I can say yes. That's pretty much why I rank everyone. But I'm only releasing top 100 this year. Last year, I did the whole board. That was a mistake because I had a certain player who got drafted in the uh, 100s and not looking good so far. So I'm uh, not going to make that mistake again, but how long did it take me for this one? I have changed. I put one out last week. I've made some changes as I watch guys. There'll be guys that, you know, I I've just put them higher and there's some guys that have dropped because I've ranked other guys higher. And I think that's really where the change is. As you see these guys more from a complete perspective, it's a lot different when you go, dang, like he just went nine of 10 from the field. The stats change a lot. But now you can contextualize how much that actually played into the overall big picture. And I, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, I'm looking at this list and some of these guys I've actually just spoken with recently. I, I went straight to the bottom. Well, I know the top guys, but I went straight to the bottom. And I like there's a guy that you have on your list said number 142. I just got him confirmed for my NTX combine. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, there's another player. 
125 on your list. I reached out to him about coming to the combine and now this is pretty cool. I'm going to use this as a point of reference because this is good. Then you got some guys I've never heard of and even some international guys I've never heard of. So this is going to be a point of reference. For me. I think the international ones are guys that are going to be removed because I think some of them it's, they're not auto eligible. And that's what I, you know, auto eligible guys are the easy ones to scout because you know, they're in the draft, but they're not that low because they're bad. I want to emphasize this. Oh yeah, it's so they're, much talent. Like they're, it's 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 so much talent out there. It's just hard to stand out, and you never know. Like I think it's one of those things where until you see them in person, where like the NTX combine comes into play, until you see them in person, it's easy to go, oh, this player's twenty three, he's twenty four. But then you see the talent and say, all right, well he can, and then you look at it, you flip it and say, well, what he can do is he can do this and he can make an impact to a team right away. Yeah, I mean, since I've posted that I'm over this combine, I've gotten a ridiculous amount of emails from agents sending guys and look at the guy and never heard of him. Then I go look at his film. Like this guy is, is, is pretty good. A gazillion combo guards. I'd say 90% of the players I've been sent are six, two guys that they're six, two to average 15 points a game, two assists shot 41% from the floor and 33% from three. And that's like literally like the stat line, but it's interesting because a lot of these guys that I've received on this list, they're on like their fifth school, sixth year of eligibility. Some guys made like huge mistakes by transferring up. Like I saw a guy that averaged like 15 a game at a mid-major transferred to a power five school, four points a game. And it's like, ah, it's hard to sell you. He <laughs> averaged four points a game on a bad team. So it's uh, I mean, it's it's a lot of talent, a lot of guys to choose from, and a lot of guys are choosing to go back to school because, you know, the, their pro future was so uncertain. But let's talk about the main guys that people want to tune in and hear about, like nobody's really listening to hear about. <laughs> the 143rd player on your board. All right, number one is Victor Wimbayama. And uh, any thoughts you want to share on Victor Wimbayama that we don't know and we haven't talked about? For the last... This might be a hot take, but I think he's pretty damn good. <laughs> I think so. I, I think so, too. All right, here's a question I've, I've been hearing a lot lately. What position do you think he plays? Power forward. I, I think, no, that's not true. He's going to be the first player to just play front court. Like, <laughs> All-star position? Yeah, he's just any, whatever, depending on the matchup that he's going against, each possession is, is going to change possession to possession. It's going to be a three sometimes. It's going to be a four. It's going to be a five on each end of the floor. Did you hear what Nick Batum said about him today? No. What'd he say? He compared him to Giannis, Anthony Davis, Porzingis. <laughs> it was somebody else. He had to probably say Gobert, right? I mean, he's Gobert. French. Yes, yes. He says he's a combination <laughs> of all of those guys. Gobert, Giannis, Anthony Davis, and Porzingis. <laughs> that is a hell of a player right there. If that is... And it's like, you think about it, it's like, he, he, he's not that far he's not off. Wrong. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong. All right, number... I mean, there's a reason he's the best prospect ever, like, or being in that mix. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, number two. No hot take here, right? Nothing yet. I still got Scoot. Scoot, number two. We talked about him on the last episode. And you have Brandon Miller at number three. And then at number four, you have Amon Thompson. Yep. So, as... I would say that's pretty consistent. I think the draft starts in a sense at number five. Everybody's number five is totally different. So who do you have at number five? 
Yeah, uh, I have Cam Whitmore. So I do have immediate defensive concerns because I think he really struggled in the pick and roll defensively at Villanova. But the physical tools are so good. And he's a guy who, by all accounts, I haven't seen anything negating this. Like he loves the game and he seems like a pretty high character guy. I think he t- he he turns into a good defender. Just the tools will come along, right? Like he's six seven, six eight. He's a great shooter. Uh, I think he's got some at least somewhat creation ability. I, that's a hard thing for me to gauge is how good is that creation ability because there is something there. And same with the defense. Like there are tools there. It's just how is he going to get better at it and master it? Those are really the the things for him. But at minimum, I mean, he's got a super high floor. I mean, I, I just I'm all in on the guy. I think you look at a two way wing is an automatically great player. And if he learns, if he can just become a great creator, I mean, that's a superstar mold. It's that two-way creation wing. Yeah, and he's young, only 18. Yep. I, I think a creative coach can really maximize his game. I The first thing that I see when I watch him is like, all right, with NBA spacing, a creative coach would play him in a situation where he's the screener, right? So if he's like, your your role man with his athleticism in the launching pad, I think he's going to be good there. Then if you run like pick and pops for him, he can shoot. And then I think he can attack closeouts. You can put him in situations where you're running screens for him, where you create, you know, a mismatch where you have him at the four and he can, you know, he's got some step backs and, and he's got a little, he got a little stuff to his game and he'll have, bigger spacing. So I think that is going to, to be important for him. All right. Who is number six on your big? I've got Taylor Hendricks. I I'm all in on this. That's the highest. That's the highest I've seen. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like he's a guy who, he's not changing your franchise unless you're the Dallas Mavericks. If you're listening to this, he is changing your franchise, but (laughs) I mean, he's a guy who, unless he lands on the right team where it's a team that disappointed this year and they need, you know, three and D the way I see him is just, He's a guy who, if you plugged in Robert Covington as a senior, put him in a freshman's body, that exact player, and made that the starter kit, like, oh my goodness, that's a great player. I think Taylor Hendricks was really underrated playing at UCF this year. It was not exactly – they. I don't even know if they played a single game on ESPN. They might have played one or two playing against Houston. Florida and State. Florida, and State. Florida State. First game I saw, yeah. Yep. They – he just didn't get a ton of exposure. And I think on rewatches and in the combine, he's if he plays in the combine, he's going to really show out. Yeah, there's no way he plays in the combine. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked. <laughs> he's going to have a pro day and he'll do the measurements probably. But I think, I mean, he's pretty much a lot to go into the top 10. But six is the highest that I've seen. So that's, that's going to be interesting. All right, number seven. Yeah, I mean, you got to have these guys back to back, right? Jairus Walker right next to him. The thing that makes me more confident in Taylor Hendricks, while I think actually Jairus Walker is by a hair, the better defender and probably the better passer. Both are skills that I do like in Taylor Hendricks as well. I think the shooting difference is so massive where the the three-point shooting, there's enough signs. I think he shot like 35, just under 34.7 or something like that from three. Um, but the 66% from the free throw line, that's, that's alarming. And for me, that's where the tiebreaker lies. I still think Jairus Walker is going to stick in the league for a very long time. And he's got to mold as this super creative two-way forward. Just how good is that shooting going to be? It's going to translate into how good is his ceiling and how likely is he to reach it? Do you have a comparison? 
No, I, I think he's really hard. And the only name that ever comes to mind is just so wrong. So I don't even want to say it. Say it, say it, because I got one of people like, what? It, it's not a good one. I, I mean, I see shades of it. It's not a comparison, but <laughs> the passing defense combination at his size makes me think, and it's so lazy. Look, I, I hate saying it, but like, you know, people are immediately going to draw into Draymond Green. I don't think he's Draymond, but I think the defensive traits are very, very good. Where if you're looking for this generation, he's at least a candidate. So you want to know? He's a candidate. You want to know what mine was? <laughs> Miami Heat, Chris Bosch, except he is going to take less like elbow jumpers and threes. So Chris Bosch, Miami Heat where you swap out the mid-range for three-pointers. Like, Toronto Chris Bosh was a different dude. Like, he was getting post-ups. He was face-up, all that. I don't think he's going to be that, which, you know, Chris Bosh is all the famer. But in a reduced role, Chris Bosh was, you know, he was good in Miami. So he's shooting threes, defends, and switches. So that's, Wait, like, my best-case scenario. You broke the golden rule. You're not allowed to compare a righty to a lefty. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you're well. the first person not to throw no it's not true any stretch big who plays defense like evan mobley james wiseman like all those dudes are chris bosh how dare you <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's just the first thing that came to my mind so i just went with my gut all right when we return we'll finish out the the rest of the top 10 but let's talk about nissan and the Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And the player of the week is Victor Wimbayama. Everybody else is done playing. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a pretty no-brainer. Uh, even if you only had five points and five rebounds, he is the player of the week because everyone else is done playing. The season ended last week, but not a bad guy. I know he had a, a big game. I, I forgot exactly the numbers, but I want to say it was like 29 points and 11 boards, and they got a win. And he might be the player of the week for the rest of the season, unless uh, Bilal Kulabli or another international prospect, James Najee, has a big game. But Victor has been great all season, and that's why he gets the player of the week. And similar to the Nissan Aria, Victor is electric. He's brilliantly fierce. He's fiercely elegant. He's stunningly powerful, <laughs> elegantly powerful, and delivers on duality, a combination of fierceness and elegance, but beautiful but strong. And that is the 2023 Nissan Aria. It has this packs. It packs this pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one electric vehicle. It's all new. It's the all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It is the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. So shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, if you are every dayer, you have to check out Monday's show. And it'll either be me or Leaf Tulane. Probably you probably get both of us. And we're going to talk about the hottest draft takes. All right. Second segment. Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs draft. And we talked about Taylor Hendricks and I compared him to Chris Bosch. He is the guy that most mocks are having the Dallas Mavericks selecting. I know I had him there. I saw ESPN had him there. And you, do you like the fit? I love it. I, I think he just, he fits like a glove. You look at what the Mavs need. They need more three point shooting. Cause that is just, they cannot get enough good shooting. They're the, 
just the epitome of, hey, you can never have too much shooting. And also they really need defense. They were just horrendous defensively, both on the perimeter and at the rim. And voila, he solves both of those issues. All right. Now you had Jairus Walker at seven. And in your opinion, what is his ceiling? I think he's going to be, his ceiling is your best defender on a playoff team who can pass and be relied as relied upon as an off-ball threat. Uh, how much of an off-ball threat depends on how good that shot gets, but at a minimum, he's going to cut, he's going to freelance the offense as an off-ball player. Okay. All right, the next guy is someone that we disagree on. <laughs> we I, talked about it a little bit in the last episode. Uh, who is number nine on your board? Yeah, I, I like Grady Dick a lot. I was so won over by the first 10 minutes at TCU. This is where I held, held a lot of weight in that. And also there were 35 scouts in that building. So I know if I was won over and he was dominant in those first 10 minutes, there were a lot of NBA scouts that were won over too. So for me, it's just, you look at a, a great shooter, which it blows my mind. He shot, I think he shot 40 plus percent from three or right, right around it. He was terrible from the corners, which is wild because that's where most great shooters are actually very good from. So I still think there's a lot of untapped shooting potential. I think he's going to be able to shoot off of handoffs and, you know, curling and things like that off movement. But his feel for the game is going to carry him a very, very long way. Even though he's limited on ball defensively, he rotates right. He reads plays well. He's just He doesn't make mistakes on either end of the floor in terms of just bad decisions. And I think there's a lot of value in being a – just like a careless, uh, excuse me, a very careful <laughs> player that can shoot and does the most valuable role in today's league as a as a wing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the safer guys, and um, at least for me, there's some guys that I I would swing for the fences on because I think if they maximize everything, they have a higher upside. All right, who is number nine on your board? Yeah, number nine is the polar opposite of Grady Dick in terms of uh, why I have him there. Grady Dick, I think the feel is so strong uh, for his game. And then Gigi Jackson, the upside is just so high where I'm like, look, I don't care where he's drafted. I'm not changing this. This is someone, if he goes to one of the right spots for him, which I think there's some strong candidates. There's an episode from a couple months ago, which I, I to this day, I think this might be the best episode I've ever heard of the show is from from you and Leaf, where you did the prospect pitch for Gigi Jackson to Utah. And I think that is just a 10 out of 10 fit. They have multiple chances to get him. I think that's the team that should be going for him. You look at a, a potential two way creating forward. I mean, that's again, that's a superstar mold that teams look for. Yeah, you know, team? you know, it's funny uh, as far as prospect pitch. The two that I've heard the most feedback, the best feedback was Leafs and yours. The one you did on Mike Miles. And I and I shared it with you in a text, but I, I'll share it online. I got a message from an agent who's like, hey, that prospect pitch helped me as an agent learn how to pitch prospects to NBA GMs. And then I was at the gym this week. And I mean, I showed it to Mike. Mike listened to it. And there was a whole discussion between Mike and and someone close to him and another agent that was there. And it was like, hey, if you like Mike, if you have concerns, listen to Prospect Pitch. <laughs> and, you know, so big, big shout out to you for doing such a, a such a great job. And, and Mike was like, I was ready to take myself in the first round. <laughs> so so that was that was pretty cool. All right. So 
number 10. Who do you have at number 10? Yeah, so at number 10, I've got Cason Wallace. This is a guy, I think this meets in the middle of where we talked about on our last episode with ESPN. I think had him at 14, you had him at six. So I'm right in that middle spot where I think he's going to be very good. I still just don't, he's a Kentucky guard. You can never tell what exactly their upside is. I can tell it's higher than what we got to see at Kentucky, especially because of that defense. But just offensively, I don't know what his go-to role in the NBA will be. Makes him a little bit tough. That's really what's holding me back from moving him into the single digits. Yeah, I like Kaysen a lot, and hopefully I can bring you some some pre-draft content with Kaysen pretty soon. I have some with Gigi coming out. Um, I have some with uh, – I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the players I have once you mention them. All right, when we return, we'll finish out the rest of Richard's first round. I think we're only at number, number 10 right now, so we have a ways to go. But if you are looking to eat healthy, you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is a built bar. And if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you have to try a built bar. And if you're wondering what makes built bar so good, it's well, for starters, they're covered with 100% real dark chocolate. That is right, 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. I don't know how they do it, but the bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better, they're healthy, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now, you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. So just head to the nearest Walmart today, walk into the pharmacy section, Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you want more, you can go to Sam's Club and you can get a 13-bar box where they have brownie batter puff, churro puff. You can thank me later, or you can go to Built.com. All right, last segment, we left off at number 10. Who's number 11 on your big board? Yeah, so I'm going with Osar Thompson. I think he's somebody who his defensive floor is going to keep him around. And also he's he's intelligent and the intel on the twins, everything comes back as they're hard workers. So I don't doubt hard workers. I think he's somebody who I do have reservations about his ceiling, but his floor I think will be pretty high. So I'm I'm going with him at 11. That's probably like the lowest I've seen. Is there a reason that you're a little bit lower on him than the consensus? I don't think he can create for himself at all in the half court right now at, from against the overtime elite. Almost all of his dunks, for example, like he's known as, you know, him and his brother are both known as freak athletes. Almost all of his dunks were in either transition or as That's, a cutter. So, yep. and, and for me, and also you pointed this out, like his touch on layups is not great. There's just a lot of on ball stuff where I think you limit his passing because of just the liabilities elsewhere. I think the shot will eventually come around. If he's a three and D guy though, He's a really good outcome, but I think there's just better players than him. I, I think that's ultimately what it is. Not all a knock on him. So in your opinion, what is the biggest difference between him and his brother? Because you can make a case and say the sore is the better defender and the better shooter. And so why is there like a, what is it? Seven spot difference. Yeah. I mean, it's the playmaking. I think Amen Thompson is going to be able to play the one, two and three. Osar is probably stuck to the two and three as an off-ball player. Just being that on-ball primary guy, I focus on men's playmaking. I, I think he runs one of the cleanest pick-and-rolls, and he's 
still playing against, I mean, he's an overtime elite. Like just imagine him as he develops against NBA talent. I think he's only going to get better in that guard that he's already like mastered. Do you think, and I have someone ask me the difference between their passing. Do you think it's more so about opportunity or you think there's just a difference between their vision and feel? Their skill and their feel as a passers as passers are very similar. I think it just comes down to, again, just the live ball passing and things like that. Osar doesn't do it nearly as much. And he like he stops himself, I think, because he doesn't break his guy down and get to – he doesn't go north-south nearly as much. He goes east-west, mm-hmm. whereas Amen does all four directions. And I think that's really where the difference is. Amen's able to create more passing opportunities. Okay. All right, who is number – are we at uh, number 11? Or... Yeah, number 12. Number 12, okay. Yeah, so this one, I go back and forth between the next two. You probably are wondering why you haven't heard a certain name, but I'm going Kobe Bufkin. I think this is a guy who you look at the fact that he's a new point guard. He ran point guard really for the first time ever in his life this year, and he was already that good. I don't see like the box M1, Coach Spence, shout out to him. He put out a great tweet that was like, there's one player who I can't figure out any, any negatives on. Can you guess? And it was Kobe Bufkin. I'm all in on the guy. I mean, you just look at, he's young, he's in, he's raw. He's really an inexperienced point guard. And he was actually pretty good at it come the end of the year. He got a lot better mid-season. I fully believe in the in-season progression. He's a good shooter, lights out defender. I think that he has the upside to be at least at, among guards. And he has a really strong motor. I just don't know what there is that's a risk. And I think for that, he's a high floor guy. He's going to be a starter in this league. Yeah, I spoke to a... Big Ten coach, and he said that in the beginning of the season, their game plan was about stopping Jet. And then he's like, later on, they realized that, in in their opinion, that Kobe was the better player and better NBA prospect. And they had him labeled as just a a good defender. And they're like, but by the end of the season, he got better. And they're like, I mean, he's really good out of ball screens. And you can make a case and say if he stayed in his normal class – then he'd be mentioned with, you know, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black, and all those guys, yep. which you are the first person that I've seen put him in the lottery based off of that. So big, big shout out to you. All right, who is number where you at, 13? Yep. So I've got Anthony Black here. Uh, that was the name where I know he's low. I get it. I get, this is one where it's not about him. I think he's going to stick and he's going to be good. I can't figure out what his realistic upside is, and that's probably a team-based you know, where he gets drafted thing, but six, seven, pretty versatile as a guard. Um, I think he's a a true wing. The question marks for me are just, you know, can he be consistently aggressive and like, what will he look like when he adds strength? Will he add strength? I think he will, but you know, will that change the aggression? If that answer is yes, then I'm, I think I'm way too low on him. And also if he can shoot at a higher clip, I mean, he shot 30% from three, will he be, you know, that much better and i think all of that if that all of that comes together which it could happen i will say their indicators are scary on the shot 30 percent from three 70.5 is is pretty low for a guard on free throw percentage there's red flags so i'm being cautiously optimistic with him again i think he sticks because there's exceptions to rules but you know how much upside is there realistically gotcha all right who was the last person that rounds out your lottery I've got Dariq Whitehead. I think this is a dude who you're looking at. The injury really plagued his season. And 
not necessarily from production. It kind of did, but we got enough flashes. I think the injury put him behind the eight ball and he just never was able to find a real role. I think we all know now by now his shot is real. The free throw percentage was over 80%. Like he's, he shot, I think 42% from three, over 40%. Like all of that's very real. He's athletic. He's six, six in high school. He's a three level score. He's shown flashes of shooting off the dribble in very limited sample size. And he's been, he, he looks natural at it. I think he's somebody who gets better at that. The defense is an absolute swing skill. It could go either way. If he's a good defender, I mean, we're looking at a top six, seven player in this draft, maybe even yeah, five. I had to come around on him. I wasn't as high on him at the beginning of the season. I thought that he got a lot of credit and benefit of the doubt because he went to Montverde and he had been there like a gazillion years. He played with like Kate Cunningham. And all of that, at least I think I think he played with K when he was like an eighth grade or something like that. So he's well known. He's been evaluated heavily. I did not see like a lot of separation from him. I saw someone that took a lot of contested pull up jumpers. And then when I watched his film, once the season was over, I saw like the three ball looks money. Like it's it was almost AJ Griffin. Like like every time he shot, it, I'm like, you know what? I think this is going in. And then he does have the the capability to to knock down pull up jumpers, and I think he's a safe pick with, with his size and his shooting and and the flashes that he's shown as a, a playmaker. I think he's a safe pick. All right, so we done we we rounded out your your lottery. All right, so for the sake of time, what are some of, or who are some of the guys on this list that people are going to be surprised about at where you have them ranked? That is totally against the consensus yeah i have cd sissoko at 16 i think that's pretty high um just a, a quick sales pitch after if you take out his last nine games of the year he was shooting 35 percent from three and three point shooting's been used against him like he was he played the entire season at 18 years old in the g league there's way more shooting upside i think than people are really giving him credit for i would also say mike miles at 25 i mean you talked about it with the sales pitch on him I think he's a first-round talent. So I'm looking at the list, and you have you have Rupert, Ryan Rupert at 27, and you have Torquavion at 28. And those guys have wide ranges. I mean, I think Torquavion has the widest. I, I saw like ESPN had him at like 34. I still have him in my top 20. And what what are your concerns about about Turk? Yeah, I think uh, he's lower now than you had him at this time last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had him I had him outside of the lottery. For me, it's I I I'm probably holding the stats a little bit too over his head. Uh 33 33.5% from three, 70% from the line both years uh, is kind of alarming. Now, again, the three-point percentage needs context. He never got a chance to even go shoot at the three-point line. It was always a foot back. Yeah. But the other thing is the length wasn't overwhelming. I think he was an example of he's really skinny. So he looks like he's got a longer wingspan than he does. That's kind of concerning. What's his role going to be? Because I don't think he's going to be able to be that ISO shot creating self creator that he was this last year. Makes it really hard for me to evaluate him. Yeah. I think he can play out of pick and rolls. I mean, for me, like the stats are eerily similar. You can't say he made a bump in stats. The assist numbers improved, but he played winning basketball. 
<laughs> this year, which which I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for that. All right, well, that wraps up this episode. So big, big shout out to you, the listener, for making Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, if you are an everydayer, tune in tomorrow. Well, we will have, I just decided, it's going to be Leaf to Lean. Leaf is on and find out what we'll be talking about. But Leaf is always a, a great listen and he's one of the big risers in this draft space. So Leaf to Lean will be on tomorrow. So thank you for, again, making this your first listen of the day. It's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stamen. He dropped off his big board and we are out.